0: Welcome to Computer Vision Decoded, where we help you make sense of the quickly evolving world of computer vision. And in this episode, we're gonna talk about the iPhone 15 and specifically the reaction from our chief scientist, Jared Heinle. If you don't know Jared, Jared is an expert in 3D reconstruction from imagery and I love getting his take on the iPhone 15 because he'll go deep into the sensors and all the different parts that we can tell from watching the iPhone 15 announcement and see what they mean for the world of 3D reconstruction from imagery. So let's get into the iPhone 15 with Jared Heinley. Welcome Jared to another episode of Computer Vision Decoded. Uh, I'm really excited to talk about the iPhone 15 announcement with you we, if if you have listened to our our past catalog of episodes, we did this with the iPhone 14 and 14 Pro, and um, I wouldn't think that we have much to talk about this time because not as much has has changed. But I'm really excited. Uh, so, Jared, welcome to the this episode. Um, I'm assuming you t- you tuned in. Where is is there anything that you were really excited your key takeaways from that that you that you were excited that you saw there?
1: Yeah, I mean, to me. Well, I, I, I was, when I was watching it, I was, I was really interested in seeing what the camera was going to look like because me being a computer vision, uh, a scientist, uh, the camera is really important. Um, but also just more broadly thinking about, you know, the phone in general, I like seeing advances across the board, you know, to make this mobile you know, to make this phone a better mobile or cap- capture device. So looking for, you know, battery life and screen brightness and processor quality and, and processing speed, um, all sorts of things that go into. You know, creating that, that photo or the video at the end uh, that we can use for for computer vision. So um, I was trying just to you know hear, hear what Apple was saying and interpret it in, in different ways to uh, see how that might might benefit a uh, 3D reconstruction.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of the question where people always say like what's a good camera for 3d reconstruction or for all kinds of things And I said it's always the camera you have with yeah. you and more likely than not you'll have an iPhone or a smartphone in general on you than anything else because everything else is extra to carry but this is in your pocket so that, that is exciting and then also it's the merging of uh, like we why we do like that platform so much is that you have a camera you have an internet communication device you have you know, you have all these things packed into one so it's not just a camera it's a it's a computer with a nice camera with all this other uh, you know parts on it so all right so if you're tuning into the audio version of this podcast uh, i will be putting visuals up and i'll do my best to kind of explain what we have up Um, but uh, we're just going to run through the iphone 15 first and then the iphone 15 pro so just throwing up on my screen uh just showing just that they always show kind of here's the iphone 15 or whatever model and all the like big highlights. So um showing like the 48 megapixel camera, the the finish, 5G, all that things. Um Jared, was there anything about the 15 in specific that you were excited that they did to the, to a non-pro phone?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, I'll start with the camera. I was I was excited that they brought that sort of 48 megapixel uh sensor to the base model, so that to so that iPhone normal iPhone 15. I liked seeing that. Uh I liked seeing the uh that brighter, uh, screen brightness, the higher screen brightness and outdoor and settings, that's great for when you're capturing images outdoors and need to see, Hey, did I capture what I needed to? Uh, I liked that. Um, yeah, better battery life, uh, always helps, um, USB C, I can reduce the number of cables that I have to manage. Uh, <laughs> so I, a, a lot of these different things, you know, had, had some benefits yeah. there, but yeah, again, that camera, uh, and, and screen brightness were ones that I, I knew I would appreciate. Yeah.
0: I must point out a fact about Jared is he's actually not an iPhone is not his everyday carry for a smartphone. So uh he does use them you for work. Yeah. So so oh, having yeah. a so having USB C across all his phones probably is an exciting upgrade because it is. It is. Because now I've, I've had in my
1: in my bag I've had to carry, you know, lightning cables and USB C cables. And I'm just like, why so many cables? So now yeah. it's USB C all the way.
0: I'm happy because the iPad Pro that I have is USB C. A bunch of you know, all my DJI camera gear, all that stuff. It's all USB C nowadays. So uh, I was also excited about USB C. But what I was, what I don't think they talked about, and I don't actually think it's part of the non-pro phone was the the throughput. Because on the on the Pro, they have a much I think it's ten gigabit per second USB C. They're not all the same. Um, so you know, transferring transferring files to like a PC and without AirDrop is much much faster on the the, the the iphone 15 pro all right well let's just dive into the camera because that's that is really what we care about for computer vision um primarily obviously you know the guts on the thing is great too but um i'm just gonna uh progress so looking at the camera just looking at the overall specs now on the screen if you're listening again i just have all the just kind of top level specs of the camera um you said 48 megapixel is what you're excited about jared uh, I was also excited um, just just to, to see that they had doing all this stuff with like portraits. And although we're probably not using that, just all the, that control that they're giving you on on depth and focal range and things you can do as just a photographer without having to think about it. Because the learning curve on a professional camera and learning your focus ring and all that, it's kind of crazy to, to, to do. But in this, you take the photo, and then you can you can manipulate after the fact, which is kind of neat.
1: Yeah. 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 And and it gets back to just, you know, all of the software that goes into you know capturing a nice looking photo. It's more than just the hardware specs, it's all of the software around it to generate, you know, how do you process the images? How do you detect the person, detect the pet, you know, and 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 blur the background and change the lighting and all these different things that go into that that processing.
0: Yeah. They I on the last slide I showed that they had the a16 bionic chip which is just a marketing fluff but it is the exact i believe it is the exact same chip that's in the 14 pro so they basically made the to me it feels like the 15 is the 14 pro from last year pretty much uh small differences like i can take a 3x photo because i have three cameras but that would not actually be for me a reason to buy a pro phone is that 3x um i find that 2x was fine um, but yeah, you're right. There's a lot of, you know, computation going here. So just kind of just talking about this main camera. I think that's what we're all excited about. Now you can, you can get in at an entry level point of the iPhone know, model and, and have a 48 megapixel camera. And so they say it's a quad pixel camera. Can you just explain what that is? two people. I know we talked about that on the last time we did this episode, but it's been a year. Maybe people forgot. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So with, with the quad pixel, so it's, it's not like, it's not truly 48 megapixels, 48 million pixels on that sensor. Like it is, there are 48 million sensing elements on there, but you're not getting the same quality of pixel as you would, if you were to go and get some DSLR or some mirrorless camera, that was also 48 megapixels. Uh, and it's what Jonathan's displaying on the screen here um, is this sort of colored grid pattern. That's called a bear pattern. And it's the way that digital cameras sense light. So when, when a camera senses light, it can't see all of the colors at once. It can only really see specific individual wavelengths. And so the way that cameras have been designed is to look for red light, green light, and blue light. And so there are separate red, green, and blue sensing elements uh, on that sensor to detect those different wavelengths of light and then when we combine those different colors together, that's then how you can you know, recover, oh no, that was pink, that was cyan, that was yellow. You, know, you can figure out what the, the actual color was by looking at the, the three different wavelengths. So in a normal camera uh, that uses a standard bear pattern, uh, what would happen is you'd have an alternating pattern of you know green, red and blue. And the way that design that is within, in sort of a, a two by two square, two of those are going to be green. One's going to be red and one's going to be blue. Um, just because green ends, we, as humans, we can see, um, a greater number of green colors, more sensitive to green wow. than we are to some other, uh, colors. And so that's, never knew you, that fact. <laughs> yeah. So you should put some extra green, uh, pixels in there to better discriminate that, that, that sort of green, that green color. Um, and so n- normally you'd, you would have this alternating pattern where alternating sensing elements are, are, different colors in a quad bear or a quad pixel setup, you have, instead of alternate, instead of consecutive pixels, having different colors, you group a two by two set of pixels. And so it's gonna be a two by two set that does green, a two by two set that's red and a two by two set is blue. So it's, it's as if you had taken, uh, a, t- a normal 12 megapixel camera. But then, for each element, just divided it into a little two by two. So each, you know, green is now a two by two green, and each blue is now a two by two blue. So you mm-hmm. have more sensing elements. There are physically more sensors on that, or you know, sensing elements on that sensor. But you're not able to see a different, you know, number of colors, um, or a different, you know, uh, resolution or, or, or detail in those colors, particularly.
0: Yeah. But what I find is interesting is they also I'm assuming the sensor isn't bigger itself. Maybe it is, but it can't. Be, we're not. be, We're talking about inches here that we talk about with these larger format cameras. So to get more pixels, they have to subdivide them. But then, what does that do, right? If your if your if your sensor, you know, one of these green little tiny photonic sensors gets really tiny. I mean, how how much light can that take? How good can that actually be? Does that I think they call it pixel pitch, right? Is I like guess tiny yeah. it, it it doesn't necessarily mean that's why we always say more megapixels isn't necessarily better. So this is kind of like a way to make them smaller but still keep good quality. Is is that kind of what's happening? Yeah,
1: yeah. And it's it's you bring up, you bring up a good point there about the size. Is because yeah, as you make that that um, that sensor element, you know, smaller and smaller, know it's able to see less and less light and so the Mm -hmm. quality of its sensing is going to be lower you know because when i when i can see a lot of light i can be very confident in knowing how much it was but as that's you know that that physical size um gets smaller and smaller yeah there may be more noise but by having more of these elements you can do better statistics to figure out well what was noise and what was the real real scene Um, because yeah come back to what you said it's like a you know, a 12 megapixel sensor versus a 48 megapixel sensor, if they're the same physical size, they're still capturing the same amount of light. And so it's, they would have, um, it's, it's not like one's doing extra magic. It's it's Mm that's still physics. It's still to seize light. Uh, it's just by having this greater number of elements, they're able to do better statistics to figure out, well, where was the edge of that object in the scene? You know where should I put that black color and then my blue color and my yellow? Uh, because now I have more pixels, more elements on there to figure out where exactly did that thing occur. So okay. it's just you're able to do better post processing by having greater information.
0: Okay. Well, and then talking about post processing, uh, one thing that I wouldn't say confuse me, but you know they say you get this, yeah, 48 million pixels, you 48 megapixel camera, but now the export or the the, the photo that you get from it is twenty-four. So you just said we had forty eight million pixels. We're dividing it by four because we're taking two by two, yep. you can see in this picture here. But that should leave us at twelve, but we're magically getting twenty-four. So that gets down to all that photonic engine post processing they must be doing to then up sample or yeah. you know um they don't tell us what they do. No. You can just no. see what it does. Um <laughs> Which is interesting because I think in the past they've always been twelve and twenty megapixels. Now we're getting this twenty-four megapixel range, which is encroaching on the exact camera I'm using now to, for this this live this this recording. I'm using a twenty-four megapixel APS-C sensor from Sony, and um, it doesn't use a bare, You know, it's just bigger sensor. Um, but now you're <laughs> getting now you're getting these twenty-four megapixel images from an iPhone that you typically would have to buy a you know a larger camera for. Yeah, so. yeah,
1: and that's, I, I, I uh, yeah, when Apple said that the, you would get a 24 megapixel image by default, I kind of scratched my head. I was like, okay, I said, and it's similar things. because It's like, yeah, you would normally expect, you know, the way this quad bear pattern is laid out when you have these nice two by two, you know, squares of green and then blue and then red. The natural thing is just to take that 48 megapixel quad bear and output a really nice quality 12 megapixel. You just divide by two in both dimensions. So a reduction of four overall. But yeah, yeah. by them outputting you know 24 megapixels yeah they're going to have to do interpolation up sampling down sampling some image processing so yeah. you know whether or not that's you know just marketing and hype to say oh yeah we can go from 12 to 24 um it could also be apple just uh indicating that well they've got some better processing now um you know they've enhanced perhaps some of their um computational photography and so they feel Good about the quality of that sort of 24 megapixel result, and so that's what they're going to optimize for and output. Um, Even though that you know physically, you know maybe there isn't a nice division of of pixels on that sensor that gives you a nice natural 24 megapixels. Um, It's just it's highlighting Apple's what they call you know their photonic engine. Yeah,
0: as as one thing, I mean any camera nowadays, there's a little bit of a black box going on of what they do after you take a photo because even any digital camera nowadays is doing some sort of post-process. I even know these nicer cameras that I've been getting these, you know, if you get a full frame Sony, um, you know, Fujifilm in all these, they're doing something. And uh, which I think is always silly too, when you're comparing the image quality from let's say the flagship Apple phone to a flagship Samsung or Google pixel phone is that we're looking at choices of what's been done by a team of computer vision Experts of what they want the image to look like, and we're not looking at like what was captured exactly on the sensor, which I think is always interesting. When I say, "Oh, well, that takes a warmer picture, a photo," well, that's a computer vision team. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's not. That is not. That is not just a one for one for what it captured. Um. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, okay. So just keep us moving along. Uh, I I have this picture of a depth map. So they did talk about how you're able to now take a photo and after the fact change the, the focal length. And the um, oh goodness the the focal depth so like or like what where your focus is so I can focus yep. on let's say a person or the person behind that person or all of it by changing the depth of that focus yeah. and uh, that they actually said the word depth map so as a computer vision researcher scientist you probably got excited because wow that's you know that's that's something that you've known about for a long time can you just kind of talk about what a depth map is and why that's important
1: Yep yep so a depth map um describes you know the the depths of the thing how far away everything is in the image and it does that on a typically a per pixel basis so for every pixel in your image it's going to say how far away is that thing in in the scene so for instance in in this picture you're showing here on the left we've got some you know a a tree branch we've got some leaves or there's a tree trunk behind it and then things kind of you know go off into the background so those leaves are really close and so they may be you know, half a meter away, a meter away, something like that. And so that depth map, you know, could say, oh, this is really close. This is a meter. You know, those pixels are are near, whereas those trees in the background, they're, you know, tens of meters away. And so that would have a much larger value in that depth map saying it's, it's much farther away. And so visualization here on the right is kind of showing this as a grayscale depth map saying that, oh, bright pixels, white is near and and black is far, Mm -hmm. um, to kind of indicate that depth. Um, Yeah. Just because we're talking about computer vision, Apple didn't say this, but behind the scenes, sometimes Apple, um, you can have depth maps, which actually give you true depths, you know, in meters saying this is 1.7 meters, this is 2.8 meters. Um, That's one way to represent depths. Another way um, that some APIs uh, inside of Apple will do it is in terms of disparity. Um, And so that's more of like a relative depth or or not even relative depth, but it'll say, you know, assuming I had, two views, two different images of the same scene, how much did things move between those images? So parallax. And so like the, the things in the foreground, those leaves in the foreground, they would, you know, as, as the camera moved side to side, or as I moved my head side to side, you know, those leaves move a lot. There's a lot of parallax. And so the disparity would be high. It's going to say, oh, those leaves moved by 30 pixels of disparity. You know, whereas the trees in the background, they didn't move at all. They moved you know, zero pixels or one pixel. And so you can also use a disparity map to convey depth information. Things that moved a lot have very sh- you know, short depth. Things that didn't move have a very
0: far depth. Um, uh, if you dive into the, just speaking on that point, if you, if you type in depth map on the Apple documentation developer page, uh, or just search for depth map Apple developer guide, they actually have a little bit of talking about that too, where they say there's there is that disparity, which I thought was interesting to say there's more than one way, and uh, so there's a little bit of education you can do yourself even on the Apple website how they do that, yeah, um, which is interesting. So that makes sense. The closer something is, if you're moving with the camera, the more parallax movement you get, and so obviously it's much closer to the camera. So even if you had a single monocular view, one camera, you can kind of determine some depth off that. Yeah, like yeah. If that camera's from a single view, right. if you
1: move, yeah, you can track, you know, and see how much things are moving, yeah. and then use that to recover some
0: depth. It's it's interesting too, because I do know there's a lot of research that's gone on. I've I've looked at a few papers too. Now, that can take a single camera, and do its best to kind of guess some rough depth to the scene as well. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, there's a lot of I'm sure there's a lot going on that Apple does beyond you know, that they might not even tell us again, but uh you know, like detecting an, a person is probably more in the foreground and if the second person is smaller they probably know that person's further away this is some depth so i'm sure there's all kinds of there's, things there's you can optimize all for. sorts of tricks yeah, <laughs> yeah Tricks you can do so, yeah yeah and it's so hard
1: it, it is hard what apple like let's come back to that um you know, the portrait mode, you know, there typically it's using the, you know, the two, two cameras on the phone. so like the telephoto lens and your wide angle or your wide angle and your ultra wide, but using, you know, two different lenses, two different cameras on the phone to try to help it figure out the depth. Um, yeah. and that can be hard just because those cameras are so close together. You know, they're only like a centimeter apart or a half yeah. an inch apart. Um, so, so that, that kind of like, see a lot of disparity
0: that gets to this next, this next, yep. Um, picture I, you pointed out, Jared, when I showed you this ahead of the show that this is probably actually from the lidar sensor that's on the Pro, but it's to me it still applies to a to a non lidar that there's some confidence, right? So if you only have a centimeter apart from two camera lenses, you can only really perceive so much depth from yeah. a pair of images. Um, I I have a, a Luxonics Oak D sensor, and I think they're you know they're several inches apart, and it says like your confidence, they tell you what your range of confidence is as it gets further away. They give you this great table. And it said, once you get beyond 20 feet, they're like, don't don't even use this camera. It's no good. And they even said 10 to 20 feet. There's still, you know, you're not getting, you're getting exact depths. And so this is what this showing, right? So there's some confidence there. It's like, well, I know that's off this pair of images or pair of, you know, pair of images or the LIDAR sensor. I know something, but as it gets further away, you get less confident that's actually where it is yep yep um yeah and that confidence and it
1: depends to um like yeah you said depth i mean that's a big one as things get farther away the confidence in knowing well yeah was that 20 meters or was that 20.5 meters you know it's, mm-hmm. you can't say it's really hard to say you know it can also depend on you know what you're looking at if i'm just staring at a white wall i'm like i have no idea i can't distinguish one pixel from another it's all just white you know, and so that can give me a very low confidence estimate because I can't distinguish one pixel from another, um, right. LIDAR now LIDAR saw some of that. So a LIDAR does generate a depth map. So it's giving you depths in meters. So you know exactly how far away that thing is, but it can also be susceptible, um, you know, or give low confidence results just based on the type of material. If I'm staring at glass or a mirror, you know, it can easily get confused as the you know, it's sending out light into the scene and then it reflects off of something and then that can confuse it. You know, so mm-hmm. you might get low confidence for that, you know, or if you're looking at something really complex. So the example here on the screen has some, you know, looks like some, you know, window shades or blinds, you know, um, you, you might see something similar to like, if you looked at uh, some leaves on a tree or a bush, where we have a lot of really, you know, small complex geometry you know, all of that, that LIDAR light, you know, is going to be bouncing around in different ways and it's going to be confusing to the sensor to know, well, you know, where is the depth of every single thing in that scene? And so it may give a, a low confidence result.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Well, for time, I'm going to, I'm going to move along. I, you know, they did talk about, I'm going to just this one note they did talk about with the pro you can do the photographer, the, um, at, at night, you can get the portrait mode as well on uh, at night only on the pro and that's, pr- it's probably gets to exactly what you said, where if it's like a white wall pair of images, you can't perceive parallax um, in darkness. It's probably harder to perceive parallax. But if you have an actual LiDAR sensor sending out a visible light and, re, you know, computing how far it is yep. that that you get away with a lot more. So there is okay. there is something if you're doing photo, you know, photogrammetry or through your construction with an iPhone the pro advantage is there that it, it does fill in those kind of blank spaces.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. And that's cause like you said there, cause yeah, at nighttime, it's hard to see the detail. And so having that LIDAR sensor can help you figure out what the depth is and helps the camera focus at the specific depth of the thing that you're looking at. And so there is, yeah, that really nice interplay there between how they're using the LIDAR sensor to help the camera focus and do a better job of taking that picture.
0: Yeah. So, all right. Well, moving on to the 15 pro Uh, Well, probably won't actually go as deep into the cameras just because (laughs) to me it was kind of not a not a flop, but like, okay, well, there ain't got a little better, um, at least for the main camera. But again, I I have up on the screen like kind of their top things that they they cared about or that they highlighted. Anything stand up for you, Jared, that you're excited about?
1: I think the biggest thing I was, uh, was most excited about was just that, that extra, uh, the telephoto zoom. So, go, you know, stepping up from like what used to be a two X or three X, you know, now to the five X, you know, optical zoom, uh, on that, on that telephoto, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, interest. I think it's interesting also too, when they, 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 uh, they made a big deal about the different focal lengths that the pro models can take saying, oh, it's, you know, seven lenses in one, you know, you can have, you know, all the different focal lengths, um, think again some of that's just marketing because it's still just the same physical lens in front of that camera you know it's the same physical sensor they're just using different computational photography or cropping of that lens but
0: um Mm -hmm. again just Apple
1: trying to yeah
0: (laughs) you know yeah yeah. (laughs) but they probably i assume they did some something to know like hey you pick 35 versus 28 versus 24 they probably in that photonic engine again they probably then optimized for each of those to make sure you got the best as opposed to just pinch zooming and it just cropping pixels. Yeah. Uh, I assume who knows. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I was excited as well about again, USB-C because transferring files to my PC, it takes a while. <laughs> Did I, I think I transferred like five gigs yesterday from my phone trying to offload images and or videos. And it just takes a while on the, on just an old lightning cable, uh, I'm sad there wasn't a USB for the Thunderbolt, but also I also know that a Thunderbolt cable is like 40 bucks. So I don't know even if they supported it like they do on their other devices, on their pro iPad pro and their, uh, you know, the PCs. I don't know if actually people go out and buy one unless they really needed it. Um, so, and I guess we'll talk about, we'll talk about the cameras here in a minute. And we'll talk about the, 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 um, the, the new chip on as well, the A17 Pro. Uh, I was excited to see the action button because to be honest, uh, given my age, I'm one of those people who probably put their phone in silence when they got the first iPhone and then have not taken out of silence since then. Um, I have a watch that rings, so I don't even really need to hear it. I just feel it. Um, I was excited to see there's a button there. I don't, don't know exactly what I'll use it for, but I can't tell you how many times I'm fumbling to get a camera out to film my kids or something. And maybe just a, a, you know, a quick launch. I know you can do it from the lock screen, but I always get to do like a specific swipe. Yeah. Nothing's easier than an actual physical button. So I I don't know. (laughs) It's small, but not enough to make me like saying, oh, you should upgrade for the button. Um, but it's nice when I eventually have it. Yeah. Um, so moving on to the camera. So again, the 48 megapixel camera, uh, I wish I could compare this to the 14 pro. Um, it's like the, the 15 and the 15 is, is the 14 pro pretty much. Uh, I didn't see anything and I was like, wow, they, they, they do some marketing here. There's a bigger, we see this 2.44 is that microns quad pixel. Uh, I just know that the pixel that must be a larger sensor overall because it's a larger, Mm -hmm. um, quad pixel size. So that just means better low light sensitivity, better, probably detail capture, but I mean, it probably gets, to be where you're, as I like to call pixel peaking, where you have to, or peeping, where you have to, you have to like zoom in way onto an image between that and the probably non-pro to, in a lot of cases to see a difference. Yeah. It's probably there, but you know, and again, Jared, is it that like extreme detail really all that useful if you're trying to make a 3D model of the scene? I mean, I feel like a lot of times you're not trying to deal with 48 megapixel imagery to make a 3D model, you're usually downsampling it correct maybe yeah, for a lot,
1: textures but that's gonna say like yeah the, the the case where that high resolution high detail has been most beneficial i've seen it's like yeah is, is what i'm doing texturing um or if i'm trying to do a 3d reconstruction to generate like an ortho mosaic you know some other asset that i want to be able to zoom in on and see the really really high detail in the pixel quality in terms of the actual reconstruction process itself um redundancy very quickly outweighs resolution. So having a greater number of images from different perspectives, even if they're lower resolution gives a you know a more robust reliable result than having fewer images at a higher resolution. And okay. so that's where a lot of times you know when I'm you know implementing or running um, 3d reconstruction algorithms or software, yeah, i'll downsample that image to you know rather small resolutions just to mean the processing goes fast and then i'm able to use a lot more imagery to get a nice reconstruction once i have solved for those camera poses i can always go back if i'm trying to texture that model great i'll pull in that high resolution imagery and i can use that to add the final textures but um yeah okay. for 3d reconstruction it's just so what- yeah it's some sometimes it's not always uh
0: that helpful okay so once you once you figure out your your camera poses your cameras locations in 3d space you can swap out images right yes. so that's yeah. something i've never really knew or played too much with i use like Colmap, and it'll downsample everything to quarter scale because it's really large imagery and speeds everything up get really great matches and i'm like can i just swap out the images uh that makes sense um yeah. it does make sense because you're just trying to figure out where they are you're not trying to figure out yeah. They're, you know the, the pixels so yeah all right and then uh and this is second generation sensor shift sensor shift ios that's just your like actual stabilization of the scent like the sensor actually moves as you walk which is great yep. as opposed to like cropping and warping like they do in the action mode which i say never use if you want to use for you know three reconstruction um i do can i can't tell a difference between this and in my older iphones and so kind of like moving to the the new camera the 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 5x telephoto lens they have their f- f- like 4d <laughs> <laughs> i don't even think it's listed here but they did this thing that like it moves in and out up and down left to right like all all axes, you could say yeah. um and that's one reason why i've never used the telephoto lens for trying to capture like let's say a rooftop from far away i always just got really shaky imagery so uh, maybe this makes it better i doubt it's still going to be perfect but um yeah, yeah
1: it's it'll be interesting to see i mean it, it's an impressive it's impressive engineering uh to see what apple you know is describing i forget what they, they had some you know pentaprism or hexaprism whatever they, they had some you know crazy sort of lens setup where it's like okay the you know light comes in and it reflects and, and, and internally before finally hitting the sensor and then that sensor can move sort of in 3d left to right up down you know and then mm-hmm. in and out um and so yeah that's definitely going to help you know, they probably had to do that, well, one, just because of the crazy, you know, complex sort of lens design. But then, like you said, too, when you're zooming in on something, any, you know, subtle shake of that phone, um, it's just, it's amplified. That motion's amplified at the imagery because you've zoomed in, you know, on that on that thing yeah. really far away. So having stabilization um, yeah, is, is going to be really nice for that.
0: My question is, will it be better for just taking a photo or will it really help you with video as well? Because, yeah. You know, it's, it's there's a difference when you're moving versus trying to stand still and you're just trying to minimize a little shake that you have in your hand. So um, I'm excited. Yeah, it's a, called a periscope camera, so they bounce light and crazy amount of directions to make it work without having this long lens hanging off the edge of your camera. Um, so yeah, I'm excited about that. I think that's something again we can talk about, but until we actually have one, you know, until Jared plays with one and does a bunch of photo analysis. It's marketing, so we'll have to see. <laughs> yeah. yep. Um, so uh, I was, re- I think this is probably one of the more exciting things for the pro camera. It was spatial video. So, again, on my screen, I show there's two cameras, so they're taking a 3D video. My first question for you, Jared, is um, I'm looking at this picture, it shows two side by side cameras with the, with the phone sideways. I'm holding up my phone, I actually have the exact same camera configuration on my 14 Pro. Is it just something that they you think they node lock to to the 15 pro or maybe you need a the a17 pro chip to build to do this or uh is there like something special about those cameras do you think i don't and know it's speculation this obviously. is yes i
1: <laughs> because it's not even um i say it's it's not even like 3d video i mean it's not 3d like because you okay when, when i say three when okay and again it could just be terminology You know, I, when I think something's 3d, I'm like, there is actually full information there for the entire scene from different directions. You know, that is 3d. But if I only have two views of something, you know, that's stereo. It's like, as soon as I wanted to like, oh, well, let me see the scene. What did it look like from the side view? It's like that breaks apart because my cameras didn't look from that direction. My cameras are only looking at it, you know, the front of the scene from just slightly different, you know, vantage points. And in this case, yeah, as I said before, these cameras are only like a centimeter apart, a half an inch apart, you know, there's not a lot of you know, disparity or parallax that's going to be visible there. You're not going to see, you know, differences in depth, um, a lot. Now it will be there because these are the cameras that power portrait mode. And so you're able to figure out, well, what's, you know, the depth of the scene is this thing close? Is this thing far, you know? And so. Yeah, what is Apple doing behind the scenes? Are they just recording two video streams and that's it? That's what they're calling spatial video. And so when you wear the Vision Pro, left eye gets left camera, right eye gets right camera. Uh, are they doing some processing? Are they going to you know and figure out the depth, you know, in real time so you get a video stream plus depth, you know, and use that then to simulate. Well, hey, if my user, you know, maybe the user can then can move their head side to side, for, you know, by a foot. And then they do some clever, you know, in painting and image interpolation to try to, you know, fill in the gaps, you know, that weren't yeah. seen. But yeah, why is this limited to the 15 Pro? I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, then I, I I don't have a video here, but this is uh, there's a picture that they were showing the person sitting on a couch with the Vision Pro, and there's this kind of 3D flat screen floating in space, and it's the person they were panning the camera into this person's view, you can see like the cliffs parallax movement and what was behind them. And my my guess is when I saw that at first, I was like, wow, they're going to like, that's what it's going to be like. Then I realized after thinking about it, they're probably just doing that for marketing. It, it, it probably won't be that, right? Like you're not going to have this scene where I recorded from one spot with my phone and then I can just walk around and look around the scene because most of that's made up data after that, you know, even... Yeah. We got nerfs where people to say that same thing. Oh, well, I can nerf the scene and then move around. Well, it's like let's get far away from where the camera is. It's all guess and it's all yeah. terrible. It's it's yeah. it's not gonna look real. So yeah, I, we'll see. I don't. I just don't understand why I couldn't capture video on any of these dual camera, and then even perhaps I, and they might have this. They might be able to take eventually with an iOS update take video on these older cameras or something and then process if it requires heavy duty processing. Maybe they'll happen on an Apple, you know, silicon based computer or something like that. So, um, yeah, it's just at this point hype. Um, so, I just want to just kind of wrap up this episode with the A17 Pro. Uh, so, they always call them like the Bionic. I, they now, it's actually a Pro sensor, which I thought was interesting. Uh, I think they said that the single threaded processing speed on this thing is now uh, uh, surpassing a lot of these higher end you know, PCs. So as a person who is not only a research scientist, Jared yourself, but also an engineer who's building products and and in in pipelines that use an iPhone, is that something you're excited about thinking and also how you approach processing things? Is it like, wow, I got this really fast single thread. I want to make sure that you optimize for that. Is that 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 kind of something you get excited about as it gets gets faster? I know it only says 10% faster, but they're getting fast, so.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I'll, I'll take any speed up that I can. I can get. And yeah, I, I too. I'm impressed by the the single core performance, that single threaded performance uh, of the iPhones. You know, and and that it is something that is very beneficial um, because when you're implementing algorithms, both for computer vision as well as just you know computer science in general, computer programming in general, certain algorithms are better suited to parallelism, and some you know algorithms are better suited to you know, sequential executions, you know, that that single threaded thing, because you can Mm -hmm. imagine a computation of I'm doing something where, you know, what I compute depends on the previous results. You end up with a sort of the the sequence. It's like, oh, I compute result one and that feeds into result two, and then that feeds into result three and receives result four. It's like I need to do all of those computations in order, you know, one at a time. And so having really fast, you know, single core, single thread performance can help me achieve that task as quickly as possible. Where there's yeah other algorithms yeah you can do those computations can do those computations um, in parallel and, and run those on separate cores and separate threads you know and that's great too um, but yeah I know that when I've uh, implemented three uh, D reconstruction algorithms on the iPhone um, yeah some some parts of that code is is more single threaded and some parts is multi threaded and you know and they yeah. each will speed up based on that.
0: So that's something to think about when they say something like a chip is 10% faster. That's not just everything. It could be depending if it's multi or single threaded. And so you get speed up certain areas or not. I think that as well for like a GPU, right? A GPU, all those CUDA cores in my my NVIDIA GPU here. Well, that doesn't solve everything having these thousands of CUDA cores, but it does do well when you're trying to do certain types of computation really fast. Yep. So um and then I didn't have on here on this, this picture, but there's also um they talk about the neural engine just gets faster and faster. So like they talked about even on the 15 that you take a photo and then you're able to after the fact do the portrait effects because it recognizes there's a human, a dog, or a cat. And so that is that is that neural engine. I'm sh- assuming doing some machine learning, you know, they've these machine learning specific tasks that are better on these like specific type of chipset that yeah. um, is able to do it really fast as you're taking photos and say, oh, yeah. person, this actually should be a photo, um, a portrait mode, even though they yep. had it in photo mode. So, yeah, um, it's really cool what they're able to do with that, so.
1: It is, and and it, it gets back to just the, you know, computational photography, you know, and how much software goes into creating a nice photo. Um, you know, we didn't talk about it here, but thinking about, you know, HDR and what the Apple calls smart mm-hmm. HDR, you know, where, it's able to, you know, take a bunch of different photos at different exposures and then figure out how to combine that. Like, yeah, you can combine that using just standard algorithms, you know, and just follow through a method. Um, but you can also get better results as soon as you throw machine learning at that and using that neural engine to say well where are the people where are the, mm-hmm. the animals where are the pets you know i want those i want the you know the people's faces and, and my pet to look really nice and then you know what's the rest you know what's the background what's sky what's forest what's trees you know and you can expose those different scene elements you know differently based on you know what what type of object they are yeah you know and so apple's able to do machine learning you know, figure out what the, the different objects are in the scene and then use that to help influence that that final photo.
0: All right. Well, just to wrap up then this, take that point and wrap up this episode. Uh, I think we need to do an iOS 17 episode as well once that comes out. And we've kind of, I know it's been in beta for a while, so people can actually look at it now, but kind of dive into that because you're right. There's, there's a hardware component, but there's also a software component. And Apple yep. every year also gives us all this great AR kit improvements and things. So We'll have an episode on that, I'm sure, um, soon once this comes out and we get a, to play with it and it's out of beta and we actually know what it can do. So um thanks a lot, Jared, for jumping in and explaining some of his concepts. I'm really excited about the 1515 15 Pro. And I do tell people if they're looking to upgrade, um, people are always looking for recommendations from me because I usually have all the new phones. I can tell you I've had 12, 13, 14 pros phones, and it's the software updates are almost bigger than the hardware updates. So I say, get wait till the software comes out. If you're unsure, see if that gives you all the new things you want with the phone you have. Uh, if not, then you can upgrade. But, uh, I mean, these are all becoming, you know, last three, four years of these, these are quite good cameras. So, um, I wouldn't upgrade from the 14 pro to the 15 pro unless you actually had a, a reason or just like to, you know, upgrade to the newest. So yeah, especially the 15 itself. I think that's the best, entry level I've seen so far, where Mm -hmm. they added all these things to it. Yeah, So definitely. All right, Jared, well, thank you. And I'll see, see you guys in the next episode. Thank you. Well, I hope you liked this episode of Computer Vision Decoded. As I said, we'll probably do an episode on the iOS 17 software when it comes out out of beta, as most of the upgrades you've seen in an iPhone are actually software driven. So we'll see that in the next episode. And always, make sure you subscribe to the audio or video podcast to make sure you get the latest episodes as they come out. See you in the next episode.